0: everybody my name is Brittany Dury and um, I'm married to Colton Dury we are going to be reading and learning um, from the gospel Bible study this is a Bible study produced by students for students and I don't believe that you necessarily have to be a student in school of any sort Um, I believe we're all students of Christ Jesus so I love this Bible study it's very simple it's very basic and I believe the more simple we keep it the less jumbled up we get in our minds and we're able to focus on God more so this Bible study is sponsored by the general youth division the authors are Adam Shaw and Daniel Phillips the editors are LJ Harry and Robin Johnston the designers are Jason Timball and Derek Borders There are videos that we can share, and that videography is done by Adam Shaw and Stephanie Shaw, and the students in those videos are Daniel Phillips, Christina Marzik, and Jordan Ansley. So I'm, again, so very excited for you to join us on this journey on our online version of the Gospel Bible Study. The table of contents for this Bible study, um, obviously we have the introduction, and then we will be covering sin, jesus repentance baptism and the holy ghost and then we have our conclusion so i am so excited one more time to tell you that uh, this is a new journey for us to do an online version of a bible study and i hope that it's able to reach you and your heart and your spirit wherever you are let's go ahead and get started the gospel introduction we use the bible to teach about salvation because we believe that the bible is the word of god our goal here is not to convince you of our own personal ideas or the beliefs of any one church rather we want to show you what the bible really says about us and how we can be saved by relying on the bible we can have confidence in our salvation second timothy chapter 3 verse 15 through 16 says and that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. All Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, and for instruction in righteousness. You can trust the Bible to tell you the truth. Over and over again, history and archaeology have shown the Bible to be factual. For example, the Old Testament was completed hundreds of years before the birth of Jesus. Yet, despite being separated by centuries, the writers of the Old Testament made an astonishing 300 plus prophecies about Jesus. And he fulfilled each one of them. Many of these prophecies were very specific and could not have been fulfilled by just anyone. Let's take a look at some of these prophecies. The first prophecy that we're going to look at today is Jesus Christ being born in Bethlehem. In the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, chapter 5, verse 2, says, But you, Bethlehem, Ephrathah, though you are little among the thousands of Judah, yet out of you shall come forth to me, the one to be ruler in Israel, whose goings forth are from of old, from everlasting. So that was the Old Testament. And then years later in the New Testament, the book of Matthew, chapter 2, verse 1 says, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea in the days of Herod, the king Behold, wise men from the east came to Jerusalem. So do you see the similarities? In the Old Testament, in the book of Micah, it states that the ruler of Israel will come out of the tribe of Judah and will come from Bethlehem. And in the New Testament, which is years later, the prophecy was fulfilled. Matthew chapter 2 wrote in verse 1, Now, after Jesus was born in Bethlehem of Judea, which means he's in the tribe of Judea, that is how we know the prophecy was fulfilled. In the book of Micah, he said that our ruler of Israel would be born in Bethlehem and that he would come out of the tribe of Judah. And in Matthew... (laughs) Jesus was born in Bethlehem, and he came out of the tribe of, says Judea, but Judah. Prophecy number two that we're going to look at. Jesus Christ would ride into Jerusalem on a donkey. You might be asking, why is it important what Jesus rode into Jerusalem on, especially if it's a donkey? Well, you know and I know that God works in mysterious ways. So in the Old Testament, Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9 states, Rejoice greatly, O daughter of Zion. Shout, O daughter of Jerusalem, behold, your king is coming to you. He is just and having salvation, lowly and riding on a donkey. A colt, the foal of a donkey. So that's the Old Testament saying, you know that our king is coming and he's going to be just and he's having our salvation and you know that he's lowly and that he's humble and that he will be riding on a donkey and that's symbolic and again old testament but years later in the new testament matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 9 states now when they drew near to jerusalem and came to bethphage at the mount of olives Then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village opposite of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Loose them and bring them to me. And if anyone says anything to you, you shall say, The Lord has need of them. And immediately he will send them. All this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the prophet, saying, "'Tell the daughter of Zion, behold, your king is coming to you, "'lowly and sitting on a donkey, a colt, a foal of a donkey.' "'So the disciples went and did as Jesus commanded them to do. "'They brought the donkey and the colt and laid their clothes on them "'and set him on them, and a very great multitude spread their clothes on the road. "'Others cut down branches from the trees, spread them on the road,' Then the multitudes who went before and those who followed cried out, saying, Hosanna to the Son of David! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord! Hosanna in the highest! So, again, in Zechariah chapter 9, verse 9, in the Old Testament, it talks about how Jesus is going to ride in Jerusalem on a donkey, and in the New Testament, In Matthew chapter 21 verses 1 through 9, it specifically explains that Jesus requested for his disciples to go get him a donkey and a a colt um, and to bring them to him. And that is how he rode into Jerusalem. So that is another prophecy fulfilled. Prophecy number three that we're going to take a look at today is Jesus Christ would be betrayed by a friend. In the Old Testament, Psalms Forty-one, verse 9, says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I've trusted, who ate my bread, has lifted up his heel against me. In the New Testament, in the book of Matthew, chapter 26, verses 21 through 25, it says, Now as they were eating, he said, Assuredly, I say to you, one of you will betray me. And they were exceedingly sorrowful And each of them began to say to him, Lord, is it I? He answered and said, He who dipped his hand with me in the dish will betray me. The Son of Man indeed goes, just as it is written of him. But woe to the man by whom the Son of Man is betrayed. It would have been good for that man if he had not been born. Then Judas, who was betraying him, answered and said, Rabbi, is it I? He said to him, You have said it. In Matthew chapter 26, verses 47 through 50, reads, And while he was speaking, behold, Judas, one of the twelve, with a great multitude with swords and clubs, came from the chief priests and elders of the people. Now his betrayer had given them a sign, saying, Whomever I kiss, he is the one, seize him. Immediately he went up to Jesus and said, Greetings, Rabbi, and then he kissed him. But Jesus said to him, Friend, why have you come? Then they came and laid hands on Jesus and took him. So in this prophecy, we knew that Jesus would be betrayed by a friend. Because in the Old Testament, in the book of Psalms, it says, Even my own familiar friend in whom I've trusted, who ate bread with me, Has lifted up his heel against me. So when Matthew chapter 26 talks about how Judas um, was a friend and a disciple of Jesus, and he's the one who basically sold him out and betrayed him, we know that Psalms 41 chapter 9's prophecy was fulfilled in the New Testament. Prophecy number four is Jesus Christ would be betrayed for 30 pieces of silver. So we are talking about, um, again, about how Jesus was betrayed, but this time, this prophecy, um, we're specifically talking about a very, again, specific detail on how many pieces of silver that Jesus would be betrayed for. So we go back to the book of Zechariah, um, chapter 11, verse 12 reads, then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you, give me my wages. And if not refrain, so they weighed out for my wages 30 pieces of silver. And again, that's the Old Testament. And then in the New Testament, Matthew wrote in chapter 26, verses 14 through 16. Then one of the 12, he's talking about the 12 disciples, called Judas Iscariot, went to the chief priest and said, What are you willing to give me if I deliver him to you? And of course, he's talking about Jesus. And they counted out to him 30 pieces of silver. So from that time, he sought the opportunity to betray him. And that him is to betray Jesus. So here in the New Testament, the prophecy is specifically fulfilled um, when it says that the prophet, the chief priest would pay him 30 pieces of silver. Um, again, that's New Testament. And Old Testament says that, Then I said to them, if it is agreeable to you give me my wages and if not refrain so they weighed out for my wages and 30 pieces of silver that was his wages so again it was another prophecy fulfilled prophecy number 5 and the last one that we will be talking about today is Jesus Christ would be executed by crucifixion having his hands and feet pierced again very specific details in the old testament Zechariah chapter 12 verse 10 says and I will pour on the house of David and on the inhabitants of Jerusalem the spirit of grace and supplication then they will look on me whom they have pierced yes they will mourn for him as one mourns for his only son and grieve for him as one grieves for his firstborn. Another verse from the Old Testament, but this one's in the book of Psalms, chapter 22, verse 16. For dogs have surrounded me. The congregation of the wicked has enclosed me. They pierced my hands and my feet. And if you know anything about Jesus Christ's crucifixion, you know that he was crucified on the cross. And he had... um, his hands and his feet pierced, or, or in other words, nailed to the wooden cross. So the Old Testament prophecies, um, we find those in the book of Zechariah and Psalms. And that is that Jesus would be crucified and his hands would be pierced and his feet would also be pierced. But in the New Testament, those prophecies come to pass in Matthew 27, verse 35. Very simple and very specific. They crucified him and divided his garments. So we know that the first part of the prophecy has come to pass, that Jesus Christ did die of a crucifixion. And then in John chapter 19, verses 34 through 37 says, But one of the soldiers pierced his side with a spear, and immediately blood and water came out. And he who has seen has testified, and his testimony is true. And he knows that he is telling the truth so that you may believe for these things were done with the scripture should be fulfilled. Not one of his bones shall be broken. And again, another scripture says they shall look on him whom they pierced. So it's very evident that all of these prophecies, over 300 of them, were prophesied in the Old Testament and were brought to pass or fulfilled in the New Testament. So we can trust the word of God. More than 300 messianic prophecies like this were made in the Old Testament. And again, they were fulfilled through Jesus's life, his death and his resurrection. The chances of one person fulfilling a mere eight of these prophecies are one in... Either it's quintillion or quadrillion, but either way, that's a lot. For one person to fulfill 48 of these prophecies, the number becomes staggering. One chance in 10 to the 175th power, add to that 250 other prophecies and it becomes impossible for any other person except Jesus Christ to ever fit that particular sequence of time and events. If the Bible was able to predict the life, the death, and the burial and resurrection of Jesus Christ with this type of staggering accuracy centuries before it happened, it must be a book inspired by God. It's humanly impossible to merely imagine prophecies like this and have them all completely, let me say it again, all completely fulfilled in the life of just one man. Seeing then that the Bible has demonstrated to be inspired of God, Paul was absolutely 100% correct when he said it was profitable for teaching, which is doctrine, to, for rebuke, correction, and instruction on how to live a right life. This also means that what it says about the human condition and even the state of our own heart must also be true we must be open to receiving this truth and honest enough to confront the reality of our own hearts as we may receive the love and salvation of Jesus Christ. Picture yourself spending an entire day inside. Whether you are playing video games or cleaning the house, you've been in this dark home all day. Now imagine walking out of your house, looking directly into the sun then sudden change in brightness would cause some discomfort. You may even want to look away, but give your eyes a few moments to adjust and you'll begin to see more clearly. The same thing can happen when we look into the light, the truth of God's word. The truth sometimes reveals a drastic contrast between what we currently know or believe and what is actually true. The same thing happens with our natural eyes. It happens with our spiritual eyes as well, when we see the truth and our hearts start to adjust. When that happens, we find hope and joy in knowing the truth of God's word. This Bible study is designed to show you how to live a life surrounded by the light of the word of God. The gospel literally means good news. Together, we are going to learn from Jesus and his apostles, what that good news really is. In the next couple lessons, we are going to cover five basics of the Bible. We have to understand them so that we can be saved and begin a relationship with Jesus. Number one is sin. Number two is Jesus. Number three is repentance. Number four is baptism. And number five is the Holy Ghost, or sometimes known as the Holy Spirit. Thank you so much for tuning in and listening and learning more about God's word today. I am so excited to see what he's going to do in your life and our my own family's life. Um, I know that if we continue to submit ourselves and, and seek after Jesus Christ, he is going to honor our hard work and our studying to show thyself approved. Um, and I am just so excited to um, continue on this journey with you. So if you have any questions, feel free to reach out. Um, my email is Brit Dury at gmail.com. B-R-I-T-T-D-U-R-R-E at gmail.com. We are also on Facebook. It's just me and my husband have a joined Facebook page. Feel free to reach out at any time. We would love to hear from you.